Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Happy Easter! So glad that you chose to spend Easter here at Parkway Fellowship because this weekend, more than 2 billion people will gather in churches all over the world, just like this one, to celebrate one thing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here today, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to do that by kicking off a brand new series called Never the Same Again. You know, um, there was a time in my life when I really doubted God's existence. I'd been a Christian for many years, but I just went through this time where like, I wondered, like, is all of this real? Does God really exist? Has, is prayer just merely talking to empty air? I mean, what if all of this is just made up? And I'll tell you, I struggled with that for months, and that struggle was real. But let me tell you how I resolved it. There were two key factors. The first factor was the personal experiences I had had with God. I began thinking about all of the times that God had answered my prayer requests. I also began thinking about all the times where I sat in church and it just, honestly, it just felt like everything was talking to me. And just the sheer numbers of times that those kinds of things happened, it was just Honestly, it was just too many to chalk up to coincidence. The second big factor that helped me was the personal experiences that other people had with God. I mean, I would sit in church and I would hear people talk about how their lives have been changed through you know, God's forgiveness, through answered prayer through uh, restored relationships with their kids, through restored marriages, through God guiding them in key decisions in life, um, even through miraculous healings. And just the sheer numbers of these hundreds and hundreds of people, it was just, honestly, it was just too overwhelming to ignore. And so I remember, as a result, I remember I, I knelt down by my bed one night and I prayed. And I said, God, I've crossed the line. I know too much to ever go back. And I've never doubted again. I mean, look, I mean, there's been some fleeting moments of doubt. But the truth is, I know too much. I've seen too much. I've experienced too much to ever doubt like that again. And look, that, none of that has anything to do with me being a pastor, okay? Like, I got all that settled before I became a pastor. You know, I mean, aren't you glad, right? <laughs> but see, all of that points to one key truth. And this is your first feeling, so go ahead and pull out your message notes. Write this down. Any and all personal experience with Jesus points to the same truth, that Jesus is alive. That Jesus is alive. Because, look, how can you have a personal experience with Jesus if he's not alive? You can't. 
And that's what Easter is all about, that Jesus is alive. And this one key fact can permanently dispel doubt from our hearts. Because I'm telling you, like, wouldn't it be great never to doubt again? I mean, wouldn't it be great that no matter what happens in life, that our faith in God remains strong? If you're a Christ follower and you've battled with doubt, wouldn't it be great to get to a place in your life where you say, I've crossed the line. I can never go back. Or if you're not a Christ follower, and you, you doubt whether God even exists at all, wouldn't it be great to know for certain if he actually is real? Well, today we're going to find answers, because the truth is, we're not the first people that have ever battled with doubt. The disciples, the guys who followed Jesus around for three years, had huge doubts about Jesus, especially on that very first Easter. You see, after the resurrection, the disciples had three separate encounters with Jesus within the span of one week. And after those three encounters with Jesus, the disciples were never the same again. So in this series, we're going to look at each one of these three encounters, starting today with an encounter that occurred in a place called the Upper Room. So, let's begin by asking this question, how do I believe when I doubt? How do I believe when I doubt? Well, number one is this, I need to choose to believe before I understand everything. You know, sometimes I just need to choose to believe before I understand everything. Now, let me give you the context so the verses that we're going to read will make some sense. After the Last Supper, Jesus goes with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. But Judas, one of the disciples, shows up with a company of soldiers, and they arrest Jesus and haul him away. Jesus is beaten. He has portions of his beard literally just ripped out of his face. A crown of thorns is plunged on his head. He's whipped within an inch of his life. And then he's nailed to a cross through his hands and through his feet. And after six hours of being on the cross... Jesus dies. They take his body and they place it in a tomb. They roll an enormous stone in front of the tomb, a stone like, you know, like a gigantic wheel. They roll it in front of the tomb to seal it. Three days later, some of the women who had followed Jesus went to the tomb to anoint his body with some burial spices. But when they get there, the stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty. They're shocked. And so they run to the disciples, tell them what they found. Peter and John, two of the disciples, race to the tomb to see if what, what really had gone on. When they get there, they find it exactly as the women described. And get this, their response is not that you know, Jesus has risen. They think someone has come and stolen the body. And so the disciples go back uh, these two disciples go back to find the other disciples in the upper room, and they all cower there because they're afraid that they're going to be arrested by the same people that arrested Jesus. And that is where we have this first encounter. So look at it. It's in John chapter 20. Here's what the Bible says. 
on the evening of the first day of the week, so Jesus rose from the dead in the morning, but on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, get this, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Okay, like, time out, pause right here. Like, are you getting what's really happening here? I mean, the disciples are in a locked room, okay? And these guys have never heard the term science fiction, okay? They've never seen Star Trek, okay? So for Jesus to just all of a sudden just like materialize right there in the room, like these guys are about to wig out. And so Jesus immediately says, peace be with you. And what he really says, he just yells out one word, shalom. And so what I want you to do over where it says, peace be with you, I just want you to write the word shalom because that's what Jesus says. And that one word, it just really means peace, okay? And when it's used in an exclamation like this, what loosely translated, what it really means is, what it really means is don't freak out. Like, hey, have some peace, man. Like, that's what it means. That's what he's, that's what he's getting at. Okay, verse 20. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now look, when it says that they were overjoyed, they're not, they weren't overjoyed because, like, woohoo, hey, hey, the gang's all here. No, 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 no. They were overjoyed because now they understood that Jesus had risen from the dead. Like, they were beginning to piece together the Easter story that they were experiencing. They were beginning to understand that Jesus really was the Son of God. And they were never going to be the same again. Verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, and Didymus is just a word, it just means twin, so apparently he was a twin, and they just, they didn't even call him by Thomas, they just called him Didymus. Now, honestly, I like to think that they just called him T-Diddy, all right? So, yeah. So, anyway, Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side... I will not believe. Now, get this. The disciples, they had, they had no idea how Jesus, you know, just materialized into the room. They had, they had no idea how that happened, but you know what? They didn't get hung up on that. They didn't say, whoa, 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 hey, Jesus, we're not even going to talk about believing in the resurrection until you tell us how you got into this locked room. I, because none of that mattered. All that mattered was that Jesus was alive. I mean, they didn't understand how he got in the room. They didn't understand any science behind matter transmission or anything like that. But who cared? It didn't make a difference to them because Jesus was alive. You know what? Maybe for you, what, maybe what keeps you from believing in Christ and bogged down in doubt 
is that maybe you don't understand everything about believing in Jesus. And you think that you have to understand everything about Jesus before you can believe in Jesus. Well, no, you don't. You don't have to understand everything in order to believe. In fact, you don't apply that same standard to other things in your life. You know, think about, think about riding in an airplane. You know what? Most people ride in airplanes, but they don't understand everything and all the science that it takes to keep a 100-ton piece of machinery in the air. I mean, you know, you look out the window and go, well, I mean, it's got wings. Well, okay, yeah, but there's a lot more to it than that. Most people don't understand the science behind lift and ailerons and airfoil and all that kind of thing. And if you go just look into the cockpit of a jetliner, there are more buttons that solve more problems than you even have questions for. So I'm telling you, you don't understand everything about an, about an airplane, but you have no problem getting on one and putting your faith in it that it will take you from point A to point B. In the very same way. You don't have to understand everything about Jesus in order to have faith in Jesus. You just have to understand that Jesus came to this earth to help guide you during your life on this earth and to take you from life on this earth to life in heaven. From point A to point B. And you can't get there any other way. Because just like there are some places in this world that you can't get to other than by airplane, you can't get to heaven any other way than by Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And see, and that's part of what Easter is all about. Because on the cross, Jesus took the punishment for your sins, for my sins, the sins of the whole world. Now look, here's the thing. I, I don't fully understand how the sins that I have yet to commit, commit in the future have already been forgiven by Jesus in the past. Like, I don't fully understand that. But it doesn't mean that there's not answers for it. It just means that I don't know them. And that's okay. Because I don't have to understand everything about Jesus in order to have faith in Jesus. You know what? And neither do you. Because some things are just mysteries. But get this. As I go in my Christian life, some of these mysteries become clearer. And when these mysteries become clearer, then I get to the point where I've crossed the line. I know too much. I've seen too much. I've experienced too much to ever go back. And you know what? The same will happen for you too. But get this. If you wait until you know everything about Jesus before you put your faith in Jesus, you never will. But the weird thing is, you don't apply that standard to any other place in your life. So sometimes, like I'm just telling you, you have to just choose to believe before you understand everything. And that's okay. All right, second big thing about how to believe even when we doubt is this. Number two, I need to experience the risen Christ for myself. I need to experience the risen Christ for myself. The story continues in John chapter 20, verse 26. It says, get this, 
a week later, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, same, same place, in the upper room, with, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Again, same miraculous sci-fi experience. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. And I want you to underline the rest of this. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Okay, now look, I want you to notice something here. Get this. Thomas never touches the hands or the side of Jesus. Did you notice that? He never touches him. Thomas said that that's what he needed in order to believe, but honestly, when it came right down to it, that's really not what he needed. What he needed was a personal experience with Christ. Second thing that I want you to notice is this, is that Jesus came just for Thomas's sake. You know, the other disciples, they didn't need Jesus to come, but Thomas did. And Jesus thought Thomas was so important that he came just for Thomas's sake, just for him. And you know what? I believe that you are so important that Jesus would come and meet you today, right here. Now look, not that you're going to like physically see Jesus, okay? You're not. Because look, you know, look at that part I had you underline. It says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Okay, so you have the unique opportunity to believe in Jesus without seeing Jesus. But get this, just because you can't see Jesus doesn't mean that you can't have a personal experience with him. You can. You see, look, this is why the cross and the resurrection are so incredibly important, because get this, here's our situation. Our situation is that our sin has separated us from God. But Jesus died on a cross so that his death could pay the penalty for all of our sin so that we could have a relationship with God while we're here on, the, here on this earth and go to heaven when we die. You see, the reason why Jesus died on the cross is so that he could pay that penalty for us so that we could go to heaven. Because see, you know, most people think that you can go to heaven by being a good person and just doing good works to work your way there. That's not true. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And so that's why Jesus had to die on the cross. And his death provided that forgiveness and he offers it to anyone who would accept it. But here's why the resurrection is so important. Because when Jesus rose again on the third day, that proves that the forgiveness he provided on the cross actually is real. That it wasn't just some unsubstantiated wild claim that when Jesus rose from the dead not only does that prove that he conquered sin it also proves that he conquered death and that he alone has the power and ability to give us and offer us that forgiveness should we accept it 
So listen, let me say this. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you for everything you've ever done, invited him to come, be a, come into your life, please, you have to start there. You have to start there. But once, and once you do, you will never be the same again. In fact, I want you to hear from a very, very close friend of mine who prayed this very prayer and how his life has never been the same again. So let's listen to what he has to say. My name's Kent Lindsay. Um, I have lived in Katy for 10 years now. I own a renovation company and my wife is a school teacher. We've been going to Parkway for approximately two years now. Whenever I was 15 years old, I got my first motorcycle. My mother helped me buy a Honda SL100 for $300. And I rode it to school every day and fell in love with motorcycles. Me and Charla had been married 13 years. And in 1993, I went down to the dealership without her permission and bought a brand new 90th anniversary Harley Davidson and brought it home. And she was surprised. <laughs> Things started changing after that. We met friends through the dealership and we became friends with about six other couples and we were inseparable. We did everything together. Me and my best friend decided that we were gonna join a motorcycle club and we did. Stayed in that club for about two years, and after that we decided that we were going to start our own club. It was just a whole total different lifestyle. It was a lifestyle, fast-paced lifestyle. It was a lifestyle of drinking, drugs, prostitution. I've met some pretty rough people out there that do a lot of bad things. When you get around certain people and you're doing certain things, it just, you roll with the flow with everybody. I could walk into a bar, and whenever I walked into a bar, I had two towering six foot seven guys next to me. I was the president of the club, and there was nobody gonna touch me. We had gone out of town uh, on a club ride. Uh, we had gone down to Mexico, and we were drinking, had too much to drink, and the next thing you know, you're in a little room with a, a prostitute. Lived with that for quite a while, until one night I was laying in bed, and I felt this cold chill from my head to my toe. Just, I felt cold. And God said, confess your sin to your wife, and I did. The next morning, I woke up, we had gone, we sat out in the backyard, and I told her the whole story. And Charlotte looked at me and she said, Kent, I forgive you. She said, I love you, you're my husband. I hate to see you in this kind of pain, but what you're gonna have to do is work this out with God, because that's between you and Him. I forgive you. I was taken out of the motorcycle club. My heart wasn't there. The guys knew my heart wasn't there. They could read into me. And they were like, Kent, you're not right. You know, you're, you're, 
You're not where we want to be. We want to be hardcore, and you don't want to be. They were right, and I was voted out of the club. My wife met Jackie Hooks and introduced my wife to Parkway, and my wife was going to Parkway Fellowship by herself. I went, and I listened to Mike preach. I don't even remember the sermon. I just remember sitting in there, looking around at all the lights, and looking at the people, and listening to the music, and then all of a sudden my eyes just kind of fixed on that cross. I broke down, and I lost it. And I asked God to forgive me for the lifestyle that I had led. And all of a sudden, I could just see Jesus hanging on that cross. And I knew with those nails in him and all the suffering he went through, I knew here was a man who lived on this earth, who died for me, a rebel at heart, just a guy that always took the hard road in life. And I haven't looked back since. Our marriage now is the best it's ever been. Through all the hurt, through all the pain, through all the things that have been done wrong, it has gotten better and better. And I love her so much that now I'm at the point of my life where I want to live for God first and then I want to live for my wife and my family second. Wow. Look, just like Kent, you can have a personal experience with Jesus as well. Look, I'm telling you, and Jesus will change your life. Look, just like he's changed Kent's life, just like he's changed the lives of hundreds of people here at the park. And you start that process by asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and pledge your life to following him as best you can. So if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, that prayer is written on the back of your bulletin notes at the bottom. So if you've never prayed that prayer before and you're ready to pray it today, I want you to take a moment. I want you to pray that prayer right now. Like, right when I'm talking, stop what you're doing, take a few minutes, and pray that prayer right now. I'm telling you, that's the start of a new life for you. Now, for those who are already Christ followers, and you know, maybe you've been away from God, or maybe you've been away from church, or maybe you've been struggling with doubt, just like the disciple Thomas was, then you can ask Jesus if he will give you a personal experience with him. Now look, be careful and don't think that you can dictate what that has to look like. Because remember the disciple Thomas, he thought he needed to actually touch the hands and the side of Jesus. But when it came down to it, that's not really what he needed. And so, you know, so just be open to whatever that experience would look like. But ask Jesus for that personal experience with him. <clears throat> or look at the experiences that other people have had. Look at the experience that Kent had. Look at the experiences that I've had. Look at the experience that Thomas the disciple had. 
By the way, do you know what happened to Thomas after all of this? After the resurrection, Thomas journeyed on foot to what is now modern-day India. And he began to tell people there about Jesus. And people started to believe. And they started a church called Mar Toma. Now, nobody knew about it until the Portuguese arrived in India in the 1600s to begin trade. And when they arrived, literally, there were hundreds of thousands of people who believed in Christ. And now today, in a nation that is overwhelmingly Hindu, there are more than a million people who call themselves Christians and who are members of any one of many Mar Toma churches. I'm telling you, you never know what's going to happen when you choose to believe, even when you don't understand everything. And if you have a personal relationship with the risen Christ, I'm telling you, your life will never be the same again. And then, look, after a period of time, you'll know too much. You'll seen too much. You will have experienced too much to ever doubt again. So please, look, if you're not a Christ follower, start by praying that prayer. And if you are a Christ follower, you know, maybe you've gotten away from it you know, for whatever reason, come back. Come back and begin to experience a personal relationship with Christ again. Because, look, remember, Jesus showed up just for Thomas on that day. And I believe today, Jesus is here just for you. Because he loves you. And you matter to him. Don't ignore him. Don't miss him. Don't miss him today. Respond to him by starting a relationship with him or by renewing a relationship with him. I'd like everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Easter. Thank you that Jesus, your son, is alive. And, not, and how that changed the disciples, and not only them, but how it changes us today. And I pray for all of those people that have ever struggled with doubt, that today, God, they would choose to believe, even if they don't understand everything, that they would have an experience with you and your son Jesus, and that through it all, God, that you would help them get to the point where they could say, I know too much. I'll never go back. So thank you, Father, that we can trust you and that you reach out to each one of us right where we are. And bring us back next week so that we can hear more. And we ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. 